The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to another Sell Better episode. On today's show, we are going to be showing you all how to understand and connect with any buyer you may have. Now, as always, we love to know where are you guys tuning in from? Are you tuning in from North America, Europe, Asia? I love to see some of these answers because we usually get worldwide. Go ahead and drop it in the chat. Now, be sure that your chat is set to everyone. Go ahead and do me a favor. Click that blue button you have in your chat and switch it to everyone. That way we can all see what you guys write. Now I'm seeing here Jim from Seattle. Welcome, Jim. Great to have you here. We have Evan from Napa. Great wine, man. Love to have you here. Thank you for tuning in. Joe from Boulder. Connor from Tennessee. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Love to have you guys here. Now, Blake, what is one thing you're really excited to speak on today? Man, I mean, the whole topic is, is, is going to be exciting, but I think specifically it's helping people understand how identity, practice, and purpose, who you are, what you do, and why mm. are the fundamental elements of a story. And story, it's, it's so present in our lives. Sometimes it's so ubiquitous that we miss it. It's like the air we breathe. So how those things are so important and how they kind of roll into natural narratives, natural stories in our day-to-day lives. Love that. We are going to be covering that and so much more. And we're going to do a nice little deep dive. I'm very excited for this. So who is today's speaker? Today, we have Blake Hudson. He's a sales development manager at Tapcart. You may have seen his content. If you haven't, you got to follow him on LinkedIn and check out what he's all about because he has some amazing content and very in tune when it comes to emotional intelligence. So we'll be talking about that and so much more very soon. Now, big shout out to our sponsors. We wouldn't be able to do this without them. Vidyard and Owler. And of course, we have our drop of the day presented by Owler. It is harnessing the power of sales triggers. Go ahead and download this for free, guys. It is going to be a full document breaking down the top sales triggers you can use and what kind of messaging you can write to someone when they actually meet that criteria. So check that out. Be sure to download it. So what are we going to be speaking on today? We're going to be speaking on the emotional intelligences and how it can make you a better seller. And wait, before I continue, I want to actually know who is in the room. Do we have SDRs, AEs, frontline managers, senior leaders? Fill this out because it helps us tailor the conversation. So if I see there's more SDRs and AEs, I'm going to be asking SDR and AE questions. So be sure to fill that out and help give us this idea of who's in the room. Now, we'll also be covering how to use emotional intelligence to understand your buyer It is so overlooked, but so necessary. Why is it important and how you can utilize it effectively? And lastly, using tactical empathy to overcome conflict and objections. Sounds a bit of a misnomer there, but trust me, you can use empathy in the correct way. And we're going to show you just right now how to do it. So I'm already seeing that this question is blowing up here, Blake. And it looks like we have a lot of SDRs and AEs in the room. Does this surprise you? It does not. It does not. I, I feel like it's funny. Emotional intelligence is one of those things where like the people who have it want it the most. Mm. And so I think SDRs and A's in particular are very emotionally aware individuals. So I don't think they're coming from scratch today. I think they're, they're going to have a strong baseline and we're going to help them get better. 
Love to hear that. Now, welcome everyone. Just so you guys can see here, we got 42% SDRs and 34% AEs. So welcome and welcome to the frontline managers and senior leadership. We're going to show you how this applies to your teams. So let's just get right into it. We have emotional intelligence. What is it and how does it make you a better seller? Blake, can you give me a little description of what emotional intelligence is? Yeah, you, you know, you can go online and find the, the standard definition. I'm going to give you what I believe to be my real, you know, working practice life definition. And I think it's just understanding who you are, um, what makes you tick the moods, emotions, feelings that come up, the triggers, the things that, that cause you to have an emotional response. And then what you do with that, how you use that to interact and engage with other people is where we start to make that transition into social intelligence. But one informs the other, and then they start to create a little bit of a feedback loop when you're doing well. I see. So from what I'm hearing, emotional intelligence is really about how well you understand yourself and what, how you're perceiving things. And social yeah. intelligence and is how you project that forward. 100%. And you can use emotional intelligence to better understand others for sure, but it starts inward. The best way I can describe it is emotional intelligence is looking inward. Social intelligence is projecting outward. And um, we can all get better at each of those. I see. Now, how do you recommend people become more socially intelligent? Because I'm sure they've heard of emotional intelligence before, but not so much social intelligence. So when you think about, first of all, I want to see in the chat here, when you hear social intelligence, what comes to mind? I'd love to see where people are coming from with that, that question. Um, but while they're filling that out, when you think about social intelligence and improving it, a lot of people are going to go to communication, right? Or public speaking or, mm. you know, going to a party and not feeling awkward. Well, social intelligence really is just about understanding what's happening when you interact with other humans. And sometimes it's, uh, take interviews, for instance, interviews is kind of a big topic, right? Or sales conversations, big topic, but there's certain types of interviews. If I'm interviewing someone for a job, that's going to look very different than if Katie Kirk is talking to me on CNN. Like, it, there's different contexts there. And so social intelligence is the thing that helps you understand those contexts and how you want to interact with the person in it. And so just for the sellers out there, think about the difference between a qualification call and a discovery call. Social mm. intelligence is taking the moment to recognize those are two completely different conversations with two completely different ends. And so how you navigate that is going to be informed by your level of social intelligence. That is a really good definition in breaking down the difference between the two. Now, I want to hear from our audience. What do you guys feel you are? Are you more socially or emotionally intelligent? We got a question here for you. I would love to know from our audience. Or are you guys feel like you have neither? You know, you can want to know how to develop this because we will definitely show you how and or just mm -hmm. want to know the difference. So let us know. We got this question here for you. Fill it out for us. Help us drive this conversation. For what it's worth, honesty is a big part of emotional intelligence. So <laughs> you're going to answer this question, honestly, you're already a step ahead of the game. Okay. So we know that emotional intelligence has to do more about self. So why is that important? Like, why do you want to be aware of yourself, especially when it comes to messaging? Mm -hmm. uh, I continue to use interviews both because I... As an SDR manager who hired 15 SDRs last year, it's very much the air I breathe. Um, but also, it's it's something we've all experienced, so we can all relate to it. And right now, with uh, the job market being what it is, I think it's relevant for a lot of folks. When you think about understanding yourself, 
you wouldn't go sell a product that you don't understand, ideally, right? Mm -hmm. And in a job interview, you are selling yourself. Well, how much sense does it make to go into that job interview without first taking the time to understand who you are? Mm -hmm. And so who you are is going to inform how you present yourself, why you present yourself, what about your yourself that you present. And so all of those things are really important in the context of a conversation, regardless of what conversation you're having, interview, sales call, first date, like whatever the case may be. So it's first important to understand where you're coming from. Then you can start to understand who you're talking to, how you're relating to them and kind of go from there. But if you don't know who you are first, that's a big part of the conversation, the interaction, 50% at least. So mindful, be mindful to start there. Okay. So this sounds like an amazing starting place, but how can people actually put this to work? Like what, when I hear know yourself, it sounds very yeah. woo woo for some people. They immediately hear it. They're like, Oh, know yourself. But what really can help someone understand where they are and in, in this, you know, how their role is, how they fit into it and why they're doing things for the, in the first place. Yeah. I think it was Socrates that said, know thyself. And I think he was giving people a lot more credit. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very difficult concept. And even more difficult advice is be yourself. Just be yourself. And it's like, what self do you want? You want the self from Saturday night or do you want want the Monday morning (laughs) self? Because those are two very different selves. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I love this question because sometimes people approaching this topic can be like, okay, this sounds good, but this is kind of fluffy. Tell me, you know, how do do you make this concrete, Blake? Well, the simplest way to understand yourself is to understand what shaped you. So the place I like to start, you know, think about a movie. Every movie scenes, they have an establishing shot, right? You think about Lion King, the beginning of that movie, they're zooming in. There's like this, this jungle, the sun's coming up. You're seeing all these different animals. Like it's an establishing shot. It's a setting. So you understand this movie's not taking place in Metropolis. This movie's not taking place in, you know, some um, fake place. It's taking place in a jungle, right? In a real place. And so that is going to shape how the characters interact, what they talk about, those sorts of things. So for ourselves, What are the things that have shaped you? What were the establishing shots of your life? And being mindful of that is going to be really important because sometimes we'll only focus on certain establishing shots and we allow those to shape us. So I'll give you a real example from my life. I, in many ways, feel like I had a tale of two stories when I was coming up in life. I had very loving, very supportive family members, my mom, my grandparents, later on, my younger siblings. I also endured some very difficult times in my life, but, you know, poverty, low income, dangerous neighborhoods, had my home broken into a couple different times. And if I would have leaned too heavy on either one of those establishing shots, my identity would be overly shaped by that. And so being mindful of where I come from is important, but also understanding how that shaped me. Did I allow that to consume me? Did I allow that to grow shame or fear in me? And on the flip side, that love and support, did I accept it? Did I receive that? Am I actually securing my identity because I had it validated early on? 
So that is how understanding where you come from and your, your establishing shots is important. The next thing is understanding this character. So you got the establishing shot. Now, who are we talking about? Mufasa, Simba, right? Who are the Mufasas, the Rafikis, the Timon and Pumas of your life? Because those individuals are going to shape who you are and how you navigate this world. And then lastly, you know, the purpose. So why are you doing any of this? Is it to be the king of the jungle? You think about finding Nemo, it's to find Nemo. Like, what is the actual point here? And so when you can go into a conversation, understanding what were the establishing shots? Um, well, it's a discovery. Oh, it's a demo call, my AE or my SDR. Sorry, I, I just pushed that whole thing. Establishing <laughs> shot demo, right? Well, my SDR found them, you know, through Instagram. They reached out in a really clever and creative way. So they're coming to this conversation with an expectation that our company is clever and creative and we don't just do things in a basic, boring way. Cool. Now, who am I? I am a source of information for them. I am going to be someone that ushers in a new reality for them, right? And how do I go about doing that? I, that's the part I missed before with the between Timon and Pumbaa and the, the purpose was practice. What do you actually do? And so I might use this slideshow to, to present to them. And then why am I doing this? Well, it's not just to sell them something. A, a demo is to see if, you know, are they the right fit? Is this the right time for them? So those are the ways in which we take our establishing shots, our character, the skills that we have, and the purpose that we have into a real life conversation. Just saw it in the chat. Identity, practice, purpose, who we are, what we do, and why. That's that a long answer. Yeah, guys, write this down. Put a one in the chat if you guys want to actually practice this. See, ask yourself these questions. If, if this can actually benefit you in your process, go ahead and let me know. I already see the chat blowing up. Love to see this. Uh, this is a great analogy, man. Blake, you're spot on. This was uh, fantastically put. So thank you for that. Now, I'm curious, too. I want to see your favorite uh, Disney or Pixar film, too. Feel free to throw that in there since we, we went down that route. <laughs> Man, I love Up. Just saying, putting that out there. Up is a fantastic movie. Up is. Uh, that's game changer for sure. <laughs> now, when people hear this, they think, okay, sales is a very subject, uh, objective field, right? You have numbers, you have problems, you have results. So how can I apply a subjective mindset to this, right? How can I measure this in sales? Hmm. Well, the first, when we were talking about this in the, the pre-show, the first thing I want to mention is that we are all subjective. We are all different people interacting with different people. So to deny our subjectivity would be to deny reality. It's okay to lean into that fact. The question then becomes, how do I take this subjective person with my subjective experiences and apply them? in an objective way, in an objective context. And so we've talked a lot about how you go about figuring out who you are and what you bring to a conversation, but we haven't really addressed what are the practical ways that manifests itself in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to throw out some scenarios where you might think, I don't know how I'd use emotional intelligence here. Maybe if you if I've done my job correctly, everyone's got all this solved now. But like, think about a time in your life where like emotional intelligence sounds good, but like, how would I use it to talk to my boss about a difficult time? Or how would I use it to go on a first date? Just interested to see what those contexts are because the middle of a negotiation, for instance, right? So 
Emotional intelligence is something that is rooted in things like self-awareness, empathy, self-respect, um, self-esteem. And as we start to, to convert those things outwardly, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, I think, but sometimes it can come across as contrived. And that is where we can have objectivity with our emotional intelligence. So way back when, it's actually JB, uh, John Barrows was talking about how we were overdoing empathy, right? People were so heavy on empathy that it was becoming kind of boilerplate and people were like trying to do empathy. It was really, I like, I appreciate it, but it was weird because we were trying to do empathy at scale. Like, come on, man. Come on. What are we, what are we talking about? What are we, what are we doing out here? We, mm-hmm. So what you want to do then is how can you have curiosity and concern? For instance, that is empathy in an objective fashion. I'm genuinely curious about what's going on in your world. I'm not asking just to ask. I'm asking to truly understand your establishing shot, your character. And then I also want to be able to have a genuine level of concern. If I ask you a question like, what's actually keeping you up at night? And then you say that to me and I just talk about what I want to talk about. Yeah, it's curious, but where's the concern there? Where's the care? And the example I'll give is a doctor, right? Nobody goes into a doctor's office and the doctor just gives you some medication. Mm. Hey, doc, good to see you. How's it been? It's been great. By the way, here, just take these pills and be on your way. What? You didn't ask no questions. You're not going to poke me. You're not going to stick nothing in my ear. Nothing. Nothing. Blood pressure, nothing. No, they ask questions. And great doctors with great bedside manner also show a great level of care. But they're not confused. They're not unsure of themselves. The, the objectivity comes from after I've done the curiosity, after I've shown the care and concern, I am now able to give objective, tangible, real feedback. And so that's where we are as sellers. We are doctors in a way. And we'll talk about identities a little bit later. But we are in a position where we can take our subjective reality, meet their subjective reality. And from that, the way we interact, allow ourselves to have objective social intelligence and objective communication. That is very well put and said, Blake. Thank you for breaking that down. Doctor analogy, I think can relate to a lot of people. If my doctor came up to me and just kind of gave me a bunch of stuff, said go with the flow, I'd be a little concerned. So- really have trust that you are the expert and you know what you're talking about from the seller's perspective. So this is great to hear. Now, what about from the buyer's perspective, right? We we know that we want to be emotionally intelligent. From our, our poll results here, it's seeing that about it's kind of split. People mm-hmm. feel like they're emotionally intelligent and socially intelligent or one or the other. Um, some are neither. Some people are asking what's the difference, which I hope by the end of this, you'll definitely know. Um, but when it comes to the buyer, how can we apply this identity, practice, and purpose, but for the buyer's perspective? Are you saying from the perspective of the buyer, or how do we use this to interact with our buyer? Interact with our buyer and better understand them. So we've talked about identity and we've, we've made it kind of relevant. And I'm you know, heavy on the analogy, so I'll just go with another one. Understanding the identity that you're bringing to the scenario is very important. Learning the identity that they're bringing to the scenario is equally important. And the way in which you do that is asking those same questions you were asking yourself. Tell me about your day-to-day. 
What's going on in your world? I was an SDR and also an AE right when the pandemic hit. And so I can empathize with people out there that are selling right now because I was selling in a really difficult time. And one of the identities that I took on in that time to help me interact with my buyer was that of an investigative journalist. I talked to my team about this too. Yeah, I'm selling something, but really what I'm doing is I'm helping my customer live and tell a better story for their business. Well, how do I do that if I'm missing the story? And so what I do is I approach them with genuine curiosity and I say, hey, can you just tell me a little bit about your day? You know, it's, it's busy right now. There's a lot going on and I've been helping people in your role, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that I, I don't understand fully what you're going through. And that level of curiosity cut through the noise. And then listening, that level of genuine care and concern created trust and rapport. You talk about rapport. Yeah, you can say, oh, you went to Michigan. I went to Michigan. Go blue. That's one way to build rapport. You can also say, what's keeping you up at night? Cool. Got that. I can relate to this. And here's the remedy that I think I might work for you. It worked for me. That's another way to build rapport. So understanding the identity, one you bring to it and the one they're bringing. And then talking through like, okay, so what are you doing in your day-to-day? If you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, what are you doing to either cause that or alleviate that? That's where you're going to be continuing to shape that story for the buyer or allow them to shape it for themselves. And then lastly, and this is where this is what separates good sellers from great sellers is purpose. Good sellers are going into a sales conversation and they're trying to convince you why their product is the best and why you should go with it. Great sellers truly understand what their customer is trying to accomplish and they build a bridge between that future and our product. If you can connect those two, you're going to be a great seller. It it doesn't feel that easy always, but it is. At the end of the day, that is what we're doing. We're building a bridge between their current reality and their ideal future state. Our our product has to be that thing in the middle. So when you take the time to bring an identity to the table and receive theirs, when you take the time to truly understand what is the practice element, right? I am in search of a great story. I am in search of the, the real scoop as an investigative journalist, and they are going through the motions of being a business operator, a little overwhelmed with things, right? And then we take the time to establish our purpose. Mine is to help you tell a better story and get closer to your ideal state. Yours is to identify that ideal state. And maybe it starts at work. Maybe it's like, yeah, we want to increase our revenue, but maybe that person's true purpose is they just want to get some more of their kids' soccer games. If you don't uncover that, you're missing out on a great opportunity to truly sell them. So those are the ways that we can use emotional intelligence to truly understand our buyer and then shape that conversation. Everyone, be sure to rewatch this portion of the show when you get the recording, because that is extremely valuable advice there. We are really building this bridge to connect with our buyer and really help solve their problems. So this that was very well said. And For everyone out there, I want to know, do you guys feel like you're asking questions that really help build this bridge? We got a question for you here. I want to know, do you feel like you're asking meaningful questions? It's getting towards that point or you're kind of missing the mark and you would love some advice on how to do it because we would love to tell you how. So Blake, I know that you can ask as many questions as you want, but it really matters about how you say it. So why does tonality matter? So... Tonality is something that whether we know it intuitively or not, it shapes how we receive information. So just think about 
something that we can say will change the opinion on if we rise in tonality at the end of the question or the statement, or mm-hmm. if we lower our tonality at the end of the statement. So do you like sandwiches versus do you like sandwiches? Just that subtle difference can change the way we're being perceived. And so tonality is important, not just from like a volume standpoint and projecting ourselves and showing a sense of confidence, but we can also be inviting or we can reject people just by the way in which we communicate. And so being mindful of your tone and trying to consider like, am I being inviting? Does a person feel comfortable to share in this space? So for example, with my reps, one of the most important things for me is establishing psychological trust and safety at work. I really want them to be in a place where they feel free to be vulnerable Mm-hmm. And not vulnerable for the sake of it, but vulnerable for the sake of me being able to support them. I think I might have a few here in the chat. So feel free to call me out and say, no way, Blake, you don't do that. Or like say how it has actually happened for you. But one of the ways I would actually try and build that trust there is slowing down my cadence, really looking them in the eye and sharing something of my own that's a little bit vulnerable. And what that does is just by that subtle change in tonality, I'm doing it right now it creates an inviting space for them. And I could probably say the same things. And if I said it with a different tonality, that's just not quite as inviting because why are you yelling at me? Why are you talking so fast? Right? And it's subtle. It's subtle. But these are the sorts of tips and tricks of communication that we actually should be leaning into. It's not for the sake of impressing someone. It's more for the sake of inviting someone. So that's where tonality comes into play. And that's just one context where you can use that. Okay. Now I'm seeing here that our audience feels that they are sometimes asking good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26% says yes. And only 6% says they don't mm-hmm. have great questions. So one thing I know that can lead to this is this feeling of kind of intimidation when it comes to a call, sending an email, asking those questions, or you don't know how they're going to reply. So that may stray the way you, you write it out or say it yourself. So how does an idea of an anchor help with this with this problem can you tell me what it is and how to come up with one i want to give a quick answer to the anchor question revisit that but i also want to spend a little bit of time on questions because if i could go back and answer your first question over again what am i excited to talk about my new answer is questions and why i'm just fascinated (laughs) by that anchor so i went into an interview for a sales job way back when And I wrote, I'm like mapped out this sort of cheat sheet, which by the way, small plug, I'm, uh, I've created an interview cheat sheet for people. If you want to download that, it's a free resource. I'll drop the link in here. I'm also going to be rolling out uh, a course in the coming weeks. So you can kind of stay tuned for that. Let me, uh, drop that in here real quick. Free to go check that out. But at the top of that list, you'll notice there's emotional and social intelligence. And I put two words at the time. I didn't think about it as emotional and social intelligence at the time. I thought about it as when in doubt, come back to these feelings. This is the emotion I want to have and how I want to express it. And at the time it was gratitude and excitement. I was joining or trying to join a company that I had interacted with before as a buyer, as a customer. And now I was going to be on the flip side. And then I wanted to project excitement genuinely because that's how I felt about this role. Going back to tonality, 
right? If I'm trying to project excitement, that's going to be very different than if I'm trying to create an environment of psychological safety and trust. Just to go back to that example, tonality. So having those anchors in a conversation can be really helpful because there will come times where you ask a question, you get an answer you were not expecting. You were caught off guard. Thank you so much for answering that question that way. I will say that's a little bit, a little bit out of what I expected, but you know what? I'm excited to dive into that. Let's talk about it a little bit more. I didn't know what the hell you were going to say. I didn't know what I was going to say in response to it but I led with gratitude and I led with excitement. And so we can do that in conversations if we are intentional about what those anchors are going into it. Um, Going back to questions though, Mm -hmm. I talked about what separates good sellers from great sellers. And I gave that example, but what is underlying underneath that example is questions. Mm -hmm. If you want to get great answers in life, you have to ask great questions. The quality of our answers in life is directly proportional to the quality of our questions. And I'll prove it to you. You could have the wisest person in the world sitting in front of you. And it's the only thing you can think of to ask them is, what color is the grass? The only thing you can get is green. You just missed a wonderful opportunity to learn. And so we have to be mindful of like, how can we ask nuanced, thoughtful, deep questions. Because when we do that, fun fact about questions, they're the building blocks of conversations. Without questions, you just got a bunch of monologues. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of our sales calls talk sound like. I'm going to talk for five minutes and then shut up. And now you're going to talk for five minutes and no one's actually listening. We're just taking turns trading monologues. Well, it's like, come on, man, you're missing out. You're missing out on a wonderful opportunity. If not the sale, at least an engaging conversation. And so asking questions, I'll give you a practical one for, for interviews. Um, a lot of people ask something like, uh, can you tell me about the day-to-day? That's better than asking no question, mm-hmm. right? But that's not a great question. What's another layer? What's a deeper layer of that? What are you actually trying to get at with that question? Well, I want to know what people are doing there so, so that, so that I can be prepared and maybe hit the ground running. Okay, cool. Can you tell me a little bit about what the day-to-day looks like for your sales team specifically because you know I want to be able to, to join in and hit the ground running? So that's a better question simply by the fact that you gave that question context. Mm. Sometimes the important part of asking a question isn't even necessarily about the question itself, but the context we give for it because that's going to inform how they answer it. Now you want to take that question to like the third like deepest level, use what's called a non-factual hypothetical. Say you're in this interview process, you go, uh, question for you. Imagine I'm in the role and six months from now, I am leading the team, right? Just doing things at a rate that you hadn't seen. What exactly would I have done to get, get to that place? That's a wonderful question for a lot of reasons. Let me go through a couple of them. Number one, When you ask that question, they literally have to think and imagine you in the seat, which is always a good thing if you're trying to get a job. It's like, can they envision you being someone they work with for 40 hours a week? Second reason why that question is such an impactful question is because it causes them to think and reflect, damn, what is my team not doing right now? Hmm. And then the third reason why that's such a great question is because they're literally giving you the answer. 
They're literally saying to you, well, this is the thing that you would have to do to be great in this role. Cool. Now I'm going to take a few moments to tell you exactly how I've done those things in my life and career. And you got all of that just because you asked a more thoughtful, nuanced, and in-depth question. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now. (laughs) I went on and on about questions. You can tell I get really excited about it, but it's just, it makes life so much more interesting when you can ask great questions. Fantastic. And I can definitely relate. I understand what you mean. And and I'm sure a lot of our audience can too, as well. Put a one in the chat if you can relate to this. And if you want to actually implement more contextual questions, never thought about it, but if you really do rephrase a question with context, it just sounds so much better and meaningful. So this is great information. Thank you for that, Blake. Now, when it comes to this, you want to be empathetic still. Now, we mentioned this point of tactical empathy, which can sound almost like, how can you use empathy tactical? It's it's empathy, right? But you can come from it from a place that's more curious. Why does curiosity matter so much when it comes to empathy? Well, going back a pace, let's talk about why tactics and emotional or empathy seem incongruent, Mm -hmm. right? First and foremost, think about the context that we typically hear tactics for, like, war. So (laughs) how do I take a wartime skill set and use it to like create psychological safe and trusty? Well, uh, safety and trust. Sorry about that. Safe and trust. Um, When you think about tactical, there's one side of it where it's like, yeah, people use it for war, but it's like tactics in and of themselves are immoral. Same way you can take a brick and harm someone, you can take a brick and build an orphanage with it, right? It's the tool, not necessarily its use. And so tactics is really just uh, a a sub point of strategy. you got strategy, right? My strategy is I'm going to go in and I'm going to be a curious, empathetic seller. It's okay to have strategy, right? And then my tactic is that I'm going to ask thoughtful, nuanced questions, and I'm going to build on those questions. I'm going to continue down a strain of thought. I'm going to ask a question and then ask a question behind the question. That's a tactic. Mm-hmm. And it's a great tactic if you want to come across as curious and empathetic. I'm going to ask the question, the one behind the question, and then try and relate to or empathize with whatever answer I get. So if I go, you know, tell me about, you know, what's, what's keeping you up at night? What, what are the things you worry about in this role? I, I used to ask that question literally when I was in fintech. And I'd get things like, well, just making sure we're in the green, uh, making sure we can get, you know, PLs turned around, th- things like that. Okay. Now that's keeping you up at night. What is it keeping you from? Hmm. Well, it's keeping us from growing 10x year over year instead of 5x. It's keeping me from my kid's softball game. It's keeping me from a lot of things that I would enjoy or would rather spend time doing. Cool. I can totally understand that. Not the kid at the soccer game. I mean, I'm raising a Roomba, but that's about all I can do right now. But I can empathize with the fact that it's keeping you from things you enjoy. I think we all can relate to that at work. So what if I could you know, tell you about a solution that might be able to free up, I don't know, five to 10 hours a week of work? Cool. That was all just a tactic. And it wasn't misleading. It wasn't some sort of trick. It was me asking a question, a follow-up question, and then empathizing. And that whole thing just sets the stage for me to actually present my solution and be heard rather than 
them feeling like, what is this person trying to, how are they trying to manipulate me? Mm. So that's the way I would think about tactics as it applies to emotional intelligence, specifically empathy. And what I'm hearing here is you're really listening to understand them. Right. So that way you can build this gateway of trust and then you can introduce your solution um, once mm-hmm. they feel like they've been understood from everything they've said. Now, I I think that sales is is really done well when you can think about it like improv. A lot of times we go into sales with like literally a script and, and sometimes we're very heavy handed in where we want to take the conversation. There's times where that makes sense. Believe it or not, in improv, you can come in with a little bit of intention as well. But one of the key strategies in improv is this concept of yes and. Someone gives you something, no matter how absurd it might seem or far flung it might be, in order to build the scene, in order to build the story, you say yes and, and you build off of what you get. Poor sellers are really bad at this. They get something and instead of saying yes and, they're like, uh-huh, yeah. So what I really want to talk to you about today is, it's like, that's not going to make for a good scene. It's not going to make for a good sales call. It's not going to make for a good first date. Build, build on the topic, go deeper, go two, three layers deeper. And you might find that as you go through that process, worst case, you build a, a genuine rapport and a trust with this person. Best case, you start to uncover some really deep seated things that will allow you to sell well. All right, guys, write that down. Yes. And allows you to build on the conversation and keep it going so you can understand their position, your prospect's position. Love that. Now, in a more tactical sense, how can we use empathy for, let's say, a cold email? Right. Because I I think a lot of people hear the word emotional intelligence, empathy, and it sounds like it can only be done over a phone call or face to face. How can it be incorporated into something that's more cold in writing? No. if And if you think as a seller, like you're above writing or copywriting, you are missing the wave. And I'm not just talking about chat GPT. Lord knows if I see another chat GPT post, I'm going to lose it. The written word is a really powerful way to to truly build empathy with someone. And for me, when I think about questions like this, my mind always goes to what's the obvious, like what's the obvious thing. And so for me, like an obvious way I can show empathy to someone's inbox is to call out, hey, I know you're probably getting a lot of messages. I'm going to keep this one brief. That's empathetic. It's not just a tactic. It's not just a pattern interrupt. It's truly empathizing with the fact that you got a bunch of crap in here. Most of it, you probably don't want to read. I'd really like for you to read this. So I'm going to keep it to the point. Or just saying in the subject line, here's a video to save you money. That's empathy because it's, it's not trickery. It's not around the point. It's not eight words long. It's, it's very clearly, this is what I could do for you. And so empathy sometimes is just doing the obvious or calling out the obvious. Okay. Now I want to know, chat, everybody here, if you have any questions, do you have any questions? Throw them in the Q&A. We're if about to go to the have Q&A. questions, I failed you. And, and honestly, <laughs> I will be disappointed. I'll be like, Adrian, we just talked for a half hour and nothing, nobody no got, got anything. Questions. So you, no you got to have some questions by this point. <laughs> 
<laughs> guys just throw your questions in the q a we will be breaking them down very shortly so would love to see this um now one thing about empathy people like to kind of feel that they need to kind of beat around the bush in order to get to their mm -hmm. point you know is it better to just be direct and how can you be direct and empathetic It's hard to say better because I think true empathy, it's subjective, mm -hmm. right? It depends on a person. For one, uh, empathy might be direct feedback. That is how I know you feel and you care about me. Uh, for another, empathy might be just listening and hearing them out and being an ear. And that's all they needed. So it's, it is about understanding who that person is. Obviously, in sales, we don't always know the, the deeper inner workings of someone. but um, this is a different webinar for another day. There's subtle ways in which we can go about understanding a person's communication style. You know, there's a fancier way, love languages, right? Things of that sort of nature. Um, and you can tell from what they present about themselves on the internet, uh, the about me page of their company website, like what the plans are for expansion. If they're a publicly traded company, like there's a lot of subtle factors that can give you contextual information about how that person might best receive information. Are they more of a direct person? Or are they more of an indirect person? Neither is better or worse than the other, by the way. And I think it's a mistake to elevate one more than the other. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a, there's a way for you to do that. You just have to understand who you're talking to. And that might take some time. God forbid we spend time getting to know our customer. <laughs> He's such a terrible thing. Let me tell you. Yeah. So it looks like we finally have some questions here in the Q&A. Uh, Jordan asks, it seems like you're thinking on your feet so fast. Any tips for how to get there without looking or speaking slow? And Jordan goes to clarify, and speaking slow as in someone else beats you into speaking into that silence. Mm. Well, first and foremost, I appreciate the compliment. I think it's a compliment. I'm going to take it as a compliment. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> on my feet. I will admit this is stuff I know. So I'm not just talking about nothing that I just studied. Like this is stuff I've lived, I've learned, I've lived it out. Um, and it's just something I'm curious about. So that's where that comes from. Also, I'm, I don't know how to put this, a professional communicator. Like I've been given public speeches since I was five. I ran for state Senate when I was 24. So I've had a little bit of practice doing stuff like this, but to the core of your question, I do want to give you an answer. You mentioned speaking slow, and that's a really interesting thing that you did. A lot of times we equate speaking slowly with not knowing or not understanding. And what's funny is that speaking slower allows us to think. I wanted, want you to think about President Obama. Regardless what you think about his politics, we're talking about him as an orator, him as a communicator. His cadence is a bit like this. And there's a reason for that. The reason is these little pauses, they, they do two things. They cause you to listen, but they also give you as a speaker, the opportunity to think, to think about what your next words are going to be. And in your head, every single one of those pauses when you're speaking feels like a million seconds. I know it, but I promise you it's not. I promise you, you're not taking a million seconds when you pause. The pauses are really special. You know what a pause actually does? Like a really well-timed pause is actually saying 
hey, listen, this next part's really important. Because think about it. If you're talking and all of a sudden a person just slows down or stops, what's he going to say next? I don't know. I didn't even know, right? I kind of, I was interested in my own thing and I was saying it in real time. So like slowing down, slowing your cadence removes fillers. It helps you remove fillers. It allows you space to think on your feet and it creates a more compelling and intriguing communicator. So don't shy away from speaking slowly. Um, and don't think about thinking on your feet as like this magical thing. Like, first of all, when you're selling, a lot of times you are an expert on your product. You might not be an expert on everything. I, I use this example for, for SDRs, and this is actually is another question um, that we'll get to. So new advice or advice for a new SDR. I tell them, think like you're a librarian. People come to a librarian and like, hey, I'm trying to find a book on, you know, 14th century romanticism. Okay. Librarian doesn't know all of the 14th century authors and poets, but they know where to find the source. And so you as an SDR, you are trying to take people to the source, right? So it's not that you need to know everything. You just need to know the direction to point them in. The other thing I would say to you as a new SDR is not knowing is the first step to growing. Getting comfortable in your ignorance is a really important part of the role. You're not going to know everything. I'm just telling you right now, there's going to be a moment where someone's going to be like, this is obvious, or you should know this. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. The reality is, duh, I just started. It's only like my third week here. <laughs> Obviously, I got stuff to learn, but like, you don't have to shy away from that. And if you go in with this expectation, I'm going to know everything, you're just setting yourself up for failure. If you go in with this expectation that I'm going to learn as much as I can and support and point people in the right direction as best I can, you're unstoppable. You're Teflon because yeah. ignorance is no longer a boogeyman. It's just a part of the process. So I can't answer that. two questions there. I hope I yeah, got both of them. That's, that's but, great. Yeah. This is great. Now, Blake, we're already short on time here. Where can the people find you? Yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn right now. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm working on a resource. If you want to stay abreast of that, just check out this link. I'll drop it here again. Um, right there is a, a free. Oh, I just sent that to one person. Give me one sec. No problem. Um, right there, you can download a free interview cheat sheet. It's a really cool resource. I've been amazed to see how people have taken um, advantage of it without any sort of context around it. Hence the course, I feel like it's it's really lacking a lot of the sort of support and underlying thought behind it. But yeah, you can find me on the website. You can find me on LinkedIn. And um, you can find me if you're walking around Los Angeles. Be, <laughs> All right. Around, probably on a basketball court. So if you go to a basketball court in LA, you'll probably run into me. Love to hear it. Now, this, uh, this concludes our time. We're a little bit over time, actually. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Blake. This has been truly wonderful. If we didn't get to your question, feel free to reach out to us. We will love to provide value. Be sure to follow Sell Better by JB Sales on LinkedIn. And as always, we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.